WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. Download that free local news app today. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. A possible drowning in the St. Joseph River near Berrien Springs is under investigation by police. The Berrien Springs Orinoco Township Police Department says first responders were called to the river off of Derry Road about 6.30 p.m. on a report of a missing person presumed to be in the water. A 42-year-old woman had gone into the water to help her 8-year-old son who was struggling. She disappeared while the boy was later found by the Berrien Springs Orinoco Township Fire Department on an island in the river. He was taken to Corwell Health Hospital in Niles and released in good condition. The search for the woman continues. The economy is flattening in West Michigan, according to the latest manufacturing manager's survey by Grand Valley State University. Survey author Dr. Brian Long says it showed increased caution. If we do slide into a recession later this year, I can't think of a recession in the last 50 years that we've had this much advance notice. Hence, with most of the economy beginning to brace for some kind of a potential storm, Just like any storm, the impact may be a slowdown rather than a shallow recession. Long says while the percentage of companies indicating they're adding jobs remained positive, there could be clouds on the horizon. A home care nurse convicted in the death of a three-year-old in her care in Coloma Township last year has been sentenced to 30 to 70 years in prison. 42-year-old Judith Sobel was found guilty of second-degree murder in the case last in February. Prosecutors say three-year-old Ophelia Mazur died on June 20th of last year while in the care of Sobel. The little girl required around-the-clock care, and she was found not breathing the night of her death with her breathing tube removed. Sobel was found in the same room unconscious. She later admitted to police she'd been doing meth that week before going to work. Sobel faced up to life in prison. She was sentenced today. The need for food assistance is growing around Berrien County, and area food pantries are running low on resources. The good news is people are stepping forward to help. The initiative is called Food for Good, and it was created by the Berrien Community Foundation to help fill the growing food gap for struggling families. The foundation says in Berrien County, 14% of the population experiences food insecurity. In the last few months, local pantries have seen their demand double. So the Berrien Community Foundation is directing $36,000 from its initiative to help eight food pantries. Berrien Community Foundation Program Director Susan Matheny says the stress on families is real. You go to the grocery store. I go to the grocery store. We all know that even we're working on trying to lower our grocery budget. Now imagine if you didn't have enough to buy what you normally buy and then add inflation to it. Food for Good is also fundraising to add even more resources. When the community donates $20,000 to the Food for Good Fund, the Berrien Community Foundation will match those funds for Feeding America West Michigan's mobile food pantry in Berrien County. Newly released documents reveal complaints filed against nursing homes during the COVID-19 pandemic. There were 167 COVID-19 and staffing-related complaints, including more than 200 overall complaints released by the federal government three years after they were first requested. Detroit News reporter Craig Mauger explained the contents of those complaints. There were complaints from family members. There were complaints from residents who were living in these nursing homes. And there were a lot of complaints from employees. There were employees here acknowledging to state officials that they were not capable with the resources that they had. Lots of the complaints said residents who had COVID-19, once they were confirmed to have the virus, were just put in rooms and essentially let left to themselves. Many complaints accuse the nursing homes of not properly disinfecting rooms, patient neglect, and failing to be transparent. They reported 261 COVID cases and 32 deaths. 
If you notice a lot of police, fire, and EMS activity at the Van Buren Intermediate School District's Tech Center in Lawrence this Wednesday, don't be alarmed. They're staging a mock disaster to help train students. Van Buren Tech Chief Fire Instructor Jeremy Robertson tells us they do it each year. We'll have departments from all over Van Buren County and beyond, ambulance departments from all over the region, law enforcement from all over the region. Robertson can't tell us what the disaster will be because it has to be a surprise for the fire police and EMT students. The idea is to stage the disaster and then step back and let them handle it together. It's unreasonable to ask anybody of any experience level to be able to handle a disaster like this in two hours. So what we really look for, at least I can speak for the fire side of things, I look for how are they doing emotionally? How are they doing professionally? Can they hold it together and just do the very best that they can do? Or are they going to completely fall apart? Robertson says last year's drill involved a couple of buses that hit some motorcycles. There was also a truck hauling livestock, so there were cattle running around the scene. This Wednesday's drill will start at 8.30 a.m., and there will be another for a different set of classes at noon. Fourth and fifth grade students in South Haven will release salmon into the Black River this week. South Haven Steelheaders President Rick Chapman tells us the group has supported the program for more than a decade, helping the kids learn about the life cycle of fish in local waterways and hopefully giving them an interest in fishing. Two classrooms received 250 eggs back in the fall and watched the fish hatch and develop since. Everything culminates with the release of the fish on Friday. The kids will get a cup, about a 16-ounce clear cup, that they dip the water in, and then they put one of the fish in. They can walk right up to the edge of the river and pour them in, just one at a time. The kids are having a blast. Usually they get back in line again so they can do more than one. Chapman says the fish will make their way into Lake Michigan. Later on, they'll wind up back in the river for the enjoyment of fishermen. The students will release their salmon on Friday at Shout Park. And lend your ear and he'll sing you a song. Ringo Starr and his all-star band have announced their fall tour will be coming to the Four Winds Casino in New Buffalo. The show will be October 6th. Fresh off a four-song EP released in 2022, the 82-year-old former Beatle tells Polestar magazine he still loves to play and touring is what it's all about. The fall tour is a busy one with 19 shows in a four-week span. Starr and his all-star band have been touring since 1989. This year's tour will feature Edgar Winter, as well as members of Toto, Men at Work, Average White Band, and Detroit native Greg Bissonette on drums. Tickets will go on sale Friday, May 12th at 11 a.m. WSJM News now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture and Dwozhak, where furniture shopping is fun. President Biden today introduced new regulations that he wants to place on airlines to pay customers whose flights are hit by preventable delays to cover additional costs, including food, transportation, and hotels if passengers become stranded. ABC's Karen Travers has more. President Biden announced today his administration will pursue new rules to require airlines to compensate passengers who experience inconvenience because of controllable airline cancellations or significant delays. That's in addition to refunds and other amenities. The administration wants airlines to give passengers a meal or meal voucher, overnight accommodations, and ground transportation to and from a hotel. I know these things may not matter to the very wealthy, but they matter most to middle-class families and people struggling to get the car in the first place. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. The man accused of killing eight people and wounding several others in a mass shooting at a suburban Dallas shopping mall over the weekend apparently had been working as a security guard and was discharged from the U.S. Army in 2008 because of mental health issues. That's according to neighbors and an Army official. 
33-year-old Marcirio Garcia was killed by police ending the attack Saturday at the Outlet Mall in Allen. Garcia joined the Army in 2008 but was terminated three months later without completing his initial training, according to an Army spokesperson. According to an Army official who spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss personnel issues, Garcia was kicked out of the Army due to mental health issues. In a move that families of gun violence in Texas are calling a victory, a Texas House panel is okay to build to raise the age to buy certain guns in the state. More if maybe sees Alex Stone. It is seen as a milestone for families of Uvalde victims who have been pushing to raise the age to buy certain guns in Texas from 18 up to 21 years old. Now the House Community Safety Select Committee has okayed the plan to raise a minimum age to buy AR-15-style rifles, but now it goes to another committee where it could stall waiting for a full House vote, and then when it goes in front of the full Texas House, the fight will be even more fierce. Alex Stone, EBC News. Police in Texas say the driver of an SUV that killed eight people when it slammed into a Brownsville, Texas bus stop is charged with manslaughter, and investigators are trying to determine if the crash was intentional. Authorities believe the driver, 34-year-old George Alvarez of Brownsville, lost control after running a red light and plowed into a crowd outside of a migrant center. The police chief said today that Alvarez is charged with eight counts of manslaughter and ten counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. The chief says officials are awaiting toxicology reports to determine whether he was intoxicated, adding there's no motive he can discuss. He says the victims were all male and several were from Venezuela. The Treasury Secretary is responding to speculation that President Biden could potentially invoke the 14th Amendment to help the nation avoid a catastrophic default on its debt if Congress fails to raise the debt ceiling by June 1st. More from ABC's Faith Abube. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen essentially threw cold water on the idea, saying that using the 14th Amendment to address the debt ceiling crisis would create a constitutional crisis. We should not get to the point where we need to consider whether the president can go on uh, issuing debt. Some experts believe a clause in the 14th Amendment gives the president authority to continue issuing debts without relying on Congress to lift or suspend the nation's debt ceiling. President Biden has not ruled out the possibility of using the workaround, but has said he has not gotten there yet. Faith Abube, ABC News, Washington. An investigation into Donald Trump's handling of classified documents has advanced in recent weeks. Prosecutors have summoned a broad range of witnesses before a federal grand jury and zeroed in on questions of whether the ex-president or others obstructed government efforts to recover the records. It remains unclear when the investigation might end or whether Trump might face charges. But as probes in Washington and Atlanta intensify, Republican critics of Trump see an opportunity for legal woes to knock him off of his front-runner mantle in the 2024 presidential race. Leadership in Arizona is getting prepared for a likely influx of migrants when Title 42 ends this Thursday. The state is enacting a plan, but it's doing it reluctantly because it says it's a problem that should not be left to states and counties to handle. Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs and other state leaders say the federal government has failed to prepare for this moment. Hobbs even writing the White House demanding more be done to handle what she says is a federal, not state problem and says she has not gotten a response. Without much more robust action from the federal government, the current situation will only get worse. And she says that's why Arizona has to enact plans like beefing up law enforcement, transportation and shelters along the border, all of which she says the federal government should be handling. Alex Stone, EBC News. Many non-citizens appear to have been missed in the 2020 census. That's according to results from a U.S. Census Bureau simulation that utilized records from government agencies instead of the survey-like responses used in the official once-a-decade tally of U.S. every U.S. resident. The simulation results were released on Friday. 
The simulation found almost a fifth of non-citizens. The administrative records had addresses that couldn't be matched in the 2020 census. During the 2020 census, the Trump administration unsuccessfully tried to prevent people in the country illegally from being counted. The census helps determine political power and the distribution of federal funding. And Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is the new number one movie at the box office. ABC's Christopher Watson has more. Hello, we come in peace. It's a $114 million domestic opening for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That's only a few million short of forecasts, with international numbers bringing the global bow to a very respectable $282 million. Oh, I got this. No problem. Guardians knocks the Super Mario Brothers movie into second, granting Chris Pratt bragging rights for starring in the number one and two movies that also had the two biggest debuts of the year. Christopher Watson, ABC News. WSJM News now continues with your weather forecast.